Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. When I first came to New Piney Grove, several ladies, senior ladies, had a profound effect upon my ministry. One I'm sitting here right now over there, Mama B. There was Carrie Simmons, Elton Nash, Mama Mac. But there was one named Mother Thorpe. Unique thing about Mother Thorpe is she was the former pastor's mother, whom I thought would be some trouble, but she turned out to be one of my best blessings. Adopted me into the family, even though they didn't want it. Mama Thorpe had one saying that I remember, even though she had many, and she would often remind us, you ain't nothing but dirt. Taken from the fact that God formed man out of dirt, but she meant more than that. She meant about our unworthiness. Nothing but dirt. And this term would be appropriate for the main character in our text this morning, Rahab. Let me preface by saying that for some of you, this might be an R-rated message today. And I make no apologies about it because words that I'm using are going to be words that's in the Bible. The Bible identifies Rahab as a harlot. The Hebrew word is naznah. The word means to commit prostitution or to be a prostitute. But the sense of the word is a woman who actively engaged in sexual intercourse for payment. Y'all with me this morning? But the Bible, the, 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 in addition to the Bible, the Vines Expository Dictionary, which is a, a, a word, a biblical study of, 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 of words, it says, Zadna is a term that can, uh, we can understand it better, I think, if I bring it down to us. The word, according to Vine, means to go a hoarding. Okay. Lest we all get ourselves a little high-minded. It implies, in simple terms, one who uses their body for personal gain is a whore. I see you. For some reason, the term prostitute sounds better. When we say a whore, it becomes derogatory and offensive. So we come up with phrases like ladies of the night, a call girl. But by definition, it's still a whore. Even the word hooker 
which speaks of someone that got a bad reputation, is preferred better than a whore. Or let me just tell you what they used to say in Summer Hill in the land where I was raised, a whore. So I'll probably be using that term. This was the way that the Israelite and perhaps all of the ancient East saw Rahab. She had a bad reputation because she was someone who used her body for financial gain. By all accounts, she was considered nothing but dirt. Now I'm going to give you a lot of detail that, that uh, I discovered in my study of this message, this is something that I thought I knew, but I found out I really didn't. Normally, a whore would be someone who had no financial means of support. Usually, a husband died. Children were not able to support her. had no children at all because they didn't have Social Security in those days. They would resort to selling their bodies so they could survive. But this does not appear to be the case with Rahab. For whatever reason, she may have chosen to be a whore. Yet, today, her name is held in high esteem among the Jewish and the Christian community. Her name is given honor in the New Testament. She's even in the heroes or heron of faith. How did this happen? What made this drastic change of someone that was considered no more than dirt because they had a bad reputation? The answer can be found in our text. By background, after God had commissioned Joshua to lead the conquest of the promised land, Joshua made a decision to set a reconnaissance mission. So he signed two men on the Espanyard's journey to go to the city of Jericho. These men entered the city and they lodged at Rahab's place of establishment. You might want to ask some questions of this text. Why Rahab's house? Well, it was the local whole house where most strangers were lodged. It's interesting to also know that Rahab's house was built in the wall surrounding Jericho. Most houses were built inside the wall, not in the wall. There were only two types of houses built in the wall. That was the jailhouse and the whole house. Now the reason being that when enemies attacked, they were going to attack the wall. So people that lived in the jailhouse or the whole house were expendable. But it was also the first house that strangers would come to. But going to the whole house was a strategic move on the part of the men. Their mission was to determine the strength and weakness of the city. So strange men coming into the city would not arouse suspicion, or so they thought. Despite their efforts, they were detected. And the king of Jericho, 
knowing that that's where strangers would go, went immediately to Rahab's house and commanded that she bring them out. But something strange happened. Rahab, according to the text, protected these two men the only way she knew how. She lied. As a prostitute, as a whole, lying is part of their profession and nature. I know some of y'all don't get that. But if they were using their bodies for financial gain, anything they said to the man was a lie. It's amazing to me how us men can believe stuff. Oh, you look so good when we know we don't. I mean, I had I drive drive by uh, and get me a burger at the thing. I had this girl say, "Ooh, I like that salt and pepper hair." I had to remind me I'm old enough to be her granddaddy. <laughs> so, cause some 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 of them, you know, y'all have heard the term sugar daddy, haven't you? Well, when you got a sugar daddy in your life, you ain't nothing but a. You Bible scholars, what you think about that? This happened when they left Egypt. They've been traveling in the wilderness for 40 years. So they heard this 40 years ago. What did they hear? Two events in history. First of all, the defeat of Pharaoh's army at the Red Sea. In addition to being an elite fighting force, which was the best in the world, Pharaoh had chariots and ironclad horses. Some of the, some, some of the things that most people wanted for war, but that was the, the, the cause of their destruction. When they went into the Red Sea, it's amazing, Israel went through on dry land, but when they got through there, it was muddy. And the ironclad horses and them iron chariots stuck in the mud. They don't mention about the sea coming back. The story was the fact that Israel went over on dry land. The second event in history occurred on the other side of the Red Sea, which is an area called Transjordan. This land was inhabited by two kings of the Amorites, Sion and Og. And the Bible refers to them as Annex, descendant of Goliath's brother. Now, according to the Bible, this guy Og slept in a bed that was 13 feet long and 6 feet wide. He had to be over 10 feet or 11 feet tall. So these men were giants. But Sion was probably the most powerful one because he had skills. He was not only a giant, but he had the military wherewith to fight, and his army was just as strong as Egypt. But despite both of these kings, great size and strength, God gave victory to Israel. That was what they heard. Now, you know what? Y'all hear stuff all the time, don't you? Y'all heard the evening news just like these people. Sometimes it go over your head. But every once, every once in a while, something you hear on television causes you to 
look at it a little longer. What was the impact of what they heard? Verse 11. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. There that word is again. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord, again, Yahweh, Jehovah, your God, he is the God of heaven and earth. It says in heaven above and earth beneath. This word melted means that they're, they're, they, they disintegrated. Their hearts disintegrated. I want you to thank me, okay? Y'all live in Georgia, you know, most of the year anyway. When it snows sometime on those raw occasions, you go out and enjoy When the sun comes out, what happens? It's gone. These period, people, their courage eroded. And it was universal. Everybody in the city. Now, again, think with me. When did this happen? Forty years ago. So for 40 years, the people of Jericho and the whole promised land lived in fear. And all of a sudden, here come over 5 million people marching toward them. Won't you know something, though? She said, we heard. But only she said, I know. We heard it, but I know. All the people in Jericho heard the same thing. All the people reacted with fear and anxiety, but only Rahab took action to do something about what she heard. Can I stop right there? That's going to be the case of a lot of people that's on judgment day. You hear it, but you don't know it. I know it was a statement of faith. Think about this. She hadn't seen the army drown in the Red Sea. She hadn't seen Sion and all. In fact, since this happened 40 years ago, she may not have even been born. But she heard. And from her hearing, she said, I know. Because she accepted what she heard as truth. But Jeff, that's, the, that's the problem with us Bible teachers. We're speaking the truth. But a lot of people ain't accepting the truth. What made the difference? They all heard. It can be summed up in the parable of Jesus when he talks about sowing the seed. Yeah, Rahab had a bad rep, but that worry fell on good dirt. The worry activated Rahab's faith. Romans 10, 17 said, faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Another question. Why didn't the others take action? They heard the same thing. Why didn't they know? See, some people say they believe, but do you know? Two reasons they didn't take action. Number one was the dirt. Jesus identified three types of dirt where the seed of the word of God is planted. Number one, wayside dirt. The word they heard was not fully comprehended. Stony dirt. The word they heard did not take root in their hearts. Thorny dirt. The word they heard was choked out by concerns for their safety, 
causing them to look at a worldly solution. Now, what was that worldly solution? That's number two reason. The wall. The wall. The wall around Jericho was 16 feet high and 20 feet wide. People behind the wall felt like they had plenty of food and water. They, they could withstand anything. Those in jail and those in the whole house were expendable, but they could withstand, withstand anything. You see, Rahab trusted in what she heard. The people trusted in what they saw, the wall. Rahab placed her hope in the words she heard about God. The people placed their hope in their hope in what they heard about the wall they could see. Rahab acknowledged that Yahweh was God over heaven and earth. The people believed that Yahweh was God on the outside of the wall. Rahab changed because of what she heard. But the word did not change the other people. How this? She still was a hope. But Rahab found grace. And then she came up under the umbrella, what's recorded in Ezekiel 18:27. But if a wicked person turns from their wickedness that they have committed and does what is right and just, they will be saved. We don't know a whole bunch about this woman other than what's in the Bible. But historical writing and legends give us a lot of information about it. One historical writing records Rahab's repentance statement like this. She cried out, Master of the universe, I have sinned with my eyes and my thighs. Pardon me for engaging in hardship because I endangered myself when I lowered the rope for the spy from the window in the wall. One of the Hebrew rabbis wrote this and said that Rahab converted to Judaism at the age of 50. And some historians believe that she married Joshua following her conversion and that descendants include Jeremiah, Halkana, Huldah, and most of all, Jesus. Although there is no biblical record to prove all of this, one thing is certain. God used a woman with a bad reputation for his glory. This should instill hope in all of you who have in me too messed up big time. How'd that song start out? Shouldn't be here. Rahab believed what she heard and reacted in a manner that pleases God. She put her life at risk to protect the spies and she only made one request that's recorded in verse 13. That you save alive my father and my mother, my brother and my sister, and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. Notice, she did not ask to spare her life alone. Even though her family probably looked at her as the black sheep of the family, they won't have nothing to do with this. She said that she knew that God had given that land to the Israelites. 
And she wanted to share what she knew. Black sheep of the family. She had to be a mighty evangelist. Because she convinced her family to come in the whole house to be saved. story concludes with a couple of things. Let, let's look at chapter 6, verse 22 through 24. This is at the beginning of the battle. And Joshua says the two men who had smiled out of the land, go into the prostitute house. Go in the whole house. And bring her out. Bring the whole out. And all who belong to her in accordance with the oath to her. So the young man who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brother, her sisters, and all who belonged to her. They brought out the entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. And get this, then they burnt the whole city and everything. The only reason the family escaped the house, the fire rather, was they had to go into the house. Okay, let's clean it up now. As a result of her faith, Rahab was transformed. That transformed her house. It went from a whole house to a holy house. See, holy means to set apart. So it went from a whole house to a holy house. When she heard the word of God, yeah, yeah. Rahab was a whore, but she wanted to be saved. Rahab was a lying whore, but she wanted her family to be saved. And verse 25 says, but Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, the harlot, the whore, with her family and all who belonged to her, because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lived among the Israelites to this day. Her family was saved because she believed. They believed because she had faith. But they had to go into her house to be saved. Same may be true for some of you today. And I'm not talking about Rehab's house. I'm not talking about 116 Matt Drive, my house. I'm talking about this house. This house is house of God. See, in this house, you're going to find something. In this house, you're going to find escape from hell's fire. In this house, you're going to find shelter from the storms of life. In this house, you're going to find a roof and rain of condemnation. In this house, you're going to find a covering for your sins. In this house, you're going to find protection from your enemy. In this house, you're going to find hospitality for your loneliness. In this house, you're going to find food for your hungry heart. In this house, you're going to find peace that passes all understanding. In this house, you're going to get rid of your heavy load. 
in this house you're going to find contentment for your troubled mind. In this house you're going to find water for your thirsty soul. In this house you're going to find Jesus, the builder of the eternal life. How do you get in this house? You got to have a key. And the key is confession. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, you have the key to come into the house. Let us stand. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.